The idea that what we do is going to somehow be enough before a holy God or what we do is somehow going to impress our God, then we are like the worldly wise in Jesus' day. And the more we listen to the wisdom of this world, which pushes out Christ, repentance and faith in the cross and trades it for self, the more we do that, the more Christ is hidden to us. Jesus This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Ancient Faith for Today's World, July 9th, 2023. Matthew 11, 25 to 30. It's that time of year again. All you have to do is say the word vacation. And a lot of different things pop into people's minds. The excitement of visiting with family, finding some time to rest, or maybe, maybe when you hear the word vacation, other pictures come into your mind. The packing, the getting ready, the, the being on the road, the not sleeping in your own bed if you're traveling, finding setbacks. Maybe if you have an airplane flight, the flight gets delayed. Or like one of my friends who also has a lot of children and was pulling quite a large trailer found vacation can turn into a nightmare if the trailer breaks and you're stuck somewhere. Or maybe you found, even if everything went really well and you just had a wonderful vacation, it came at a pretty hefty price. Jesus invites us to find in him rest. What sort of rest is that? Is that, is that like the, the rest that you think of when you think of what it takes to have an enjoyable vacation? Just a couple of hurdles and maybe some setbacks and some trials and struggles and then maybe some of it you'll survive? Or what does he require or ask as he invites us to find in him rest? See that this morning as we look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. And we see how Jesus gives us rest. Not for the worldly wise, but for the weary. Here at this time, Jesus is responding to crowds that had pretty much rejected him. We see that they called John the Baptist who was neither eating or drinking, someone who had a demon. And as Jesus joined with the crowds, and yes, he drank some wine, he was called a glutton and a drunkard. They rejected his teaching. And then Jesus decried that the places where he had performed so many miracles, they saw, imagine that, seeing, witnessing the miracles of Christ and still rejecting the teaching of Christ. How does Jesus respond to all that rejection that he found. In fact, this is also, as we see in the other gospel accounts, the time when all the disciples came back from their missionary tour and they faced rejection. Many of them did. What we see is Jesus' response is this, really a, an invitation. And no, he's not like some person who's selling you a vacation or a, a plan for a getaway. No, as he starts, he starts by praising God for what is happening. He says, at that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the learned and wise and revealed them to little children. That is, all the people who heard his teaching considered themselves wise, intelligent, learned people. And when they heard Jesus teaching it, it didn't sink in. The learned and wise in Jesus' day were the 
teachers of the law, the Pharisees. They were the people who said, just do what you can and be a good person. Things will go well. In fact, you should follow what I'm doing. And are you doing enough? Are you trying hard enough? After all, Jesus says, love one another. Are you loving enough? Because I'm doing it. Jesus describes the teaching of the Pharisees as weighing heavy burdens on the people, as requirement after requirement is stacked on top of God's law. And if they do that, they're told they'll find rest someday in heaven with God. Imagine carrying that burden around, wondering, have I done enough? There are teachers today who will do the same. Yes, there, there are some teachers today who will tell people, don't worry about what God says. You don't have to look into that, just love. And the, the fundamental weight of love comes heavy on people's shoulders as they're wondering, am I loving enough? And they put themselves on the scales. But many teachers also, still today, do what the teachers of the law were doing in Jesus' time, tying up heavy loads, telling people that if you really want to be a Christian, this is what is required of you. And have you done enough if you really want God to love you and you want to enter his rest? Maybe you might say to yourself, I'm, I'm not buying into any of that. I, don't, I know that Jesus proclaims I have peace with him. But then maybe, maybe we start to succumb to that worldly wisdom when we think, you know what, I've been to church twice this month. Pretty good. And you know what? I, I gave God more than I usually give. Probably paying attention. And we start to throw that ball and chain behind us as we drag it along, thinking somehow if we just do pull our weight, do our part, take that yoke, that heavy plow, and plow the ground behind us, then, then we're doing pretty good. But see, when we do this, when we start to take that worldly wisdom the idea that what we do is going to somehow be enough before a holy God or what we do is somehow going to impress our God, then we are like the worldly wise in Jesus' day. And the more we listen to the wisdom of this world, which pushes out Christ, repentance and faith in the cross and trades it for self, the more we do that, the more Christ is hidden to us. Jesus says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned. You want to build yourself up? You're not going to be built up in Christ. And actually, he says, yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. It pleased God, as the Apostle Paul says, through the foolishness of the gospel to save, not from the works of the law. What we find is, how does the rest become ours? Jesus says, you've hidden these from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. No, not just infants and children, but those who have a childlike faith. Jesus' disciples, the believers. God, through faith, opens our eyes to see what he has revealed in Christ. What the world cannot see, the world in its wisdom will say, if you're a Christian, you must be foolish. We know that the world came about by a, a process. Or the world might say, if, if you really were a wise Christian, you'd say, everybody gets to heaven as long as you love and do enough good. Every world religion is built on that kind of wisdom. But what God has revealed to little children 
by his spirit is the wisdom of God. And God was pleased through what was preached to save. Jesus says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one the Father except the Son and those to whom he chooses to reveal him. In other words, this is a mystery that we could never know unless Jesus had come and made it known to us. It's a mystery that God would shatter that yoke which oppresses us. The prophet Isaiah foretold this long before when Isaiah wrote in chapter 9, For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you've shattered them, the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. And how is that, that burden shattered? For to us a child is born, a son is given. He's the one that's called the Prince of Peace. And the apostles, when they knew what Jesus had proclaimed and done, they gathered at the council in Jerusalem. And we see them talking about the burden that was on the people as they describe it. Peter speaks up and says, Now then, why do you test God by putting on the necks of the the non-Jews, the Gentiles, a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The yoke of the law weighs heavy and it crushes those who try to live by it. But they hear Jesus with a childlike faith say, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Oh, but Jesus couldn't possibly mean me after all that I've done. No, I will give you rest. But, you know, I I still have to do this, right, Jesus? Then, Then I'll have rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I just don't feel forgiven. Listen to him. Come to me. Find him in his word. And then if you're despairing and the yoke has been on your shoulders for so long, you get to hear him say, all you, all of you who are weary and burdened. And suddenly, not dependent on what you've done, the burden of the oppressor, the guilt of our own sin, the curse and the weight is lifted off of our shoulders. And though the devil might try to accuse you, not being enough, he says, Jesus says, I will give you rest, yours, the promise. As we come to him and find what he teaches us, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And no, it's not a heavy burden. Jesus says, learn from me as he teaches us how he took the weight of the world's sin upon himself. The Son of God came to be what Isaiah prophesied, what the apostles spoke of as he bore the weight of the sins of the world and the weight that we deserved to plow eternal suffering and death. Jesus removed it from our shoulders and says, I will give you rest. And in place of the the yoke of carrying your own weight, he says, take my yoke. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. No matter how much you try or what you've done, Jesus says you're forgiven. You're covered by the blood of Christ. And no, it's, it's not by carrying your yoke, by repentance, by turning away from Satan's lies that you can plow your way, or turning away from Satan's lies that you aren't under a heavy burden, doomed to the grave and hell, but lifting that off through Christ, he removes that burden, and he gives you rest for your souls. 
And the Christian church is not in the business of piling law upon law. It's in the business of rest found in Christ. And so as the Apostle John says, his commands aren't burdensome. They now are a blessing, freed from the curse and the weight we follow Christ. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You know, there will be people around you who will think it's by their hard work and they'll struggle to carry a heavy load. You almost have to argue, not many people would have worked as hard as someone like Martin Luther. In fact, he spent his entire life studying theology. He probably was a professor longer than any of us will be a professor. He was someone who knew God's word and wrote. In fact, when he died, his hand was stuck in the position of a, someone holding a pen. But he wrote this. I do not know how strong in the spirit others are. As for me, I could never be so holy as some feel themselves to be. Even if I were ever so learned and full of the Spirit, yet this is constantly happening to me, that when I am without the Word, do not meditate on it and occupy myself with it, there is no Christ at home, no fervor and spirit. But as soon as I take up a psalm or a passage of Scripture, it shines and burns into the heart and gives me new courage and a new mind. I know, too, that everyone will daily experience the same thing. He knew that because, like you, he was a sinner. And like you, he knew he could not find rest and fervor in the Spirit in himself. And like you, you've probably witnessed times where you've drifted away from Christ. But then you hear him, you hear him today, you hear him in his word, come to me. You open up a psalm or a passage of scripture, you meditate on it, and there you learn with all the saints, Jesus gives rest for your souls, not for the worldly wise, but for the weary. Amen. May our hearts be burned with more fervor.